Okay, we're on. Um, welcome to the podcast project. Yeah, it's still the podcast project. So for weeks now, I've been talking about changing the name and haven't come up with anything yet. So if you've got any suggestions, put them in a stamped dress envelope and we'll put them into consideration. So uh, I'm Craig Harriman, the host of the podcast project, which will soon be something else. And I'm here today with Matt Fitch. Welcome, Matt. Good afternoon. It, it was supposed to be morning. Yeah, good we did, we, I'm such an asshole that I scheduled this from for eight o'clock this morning with Matt, and then Matt turned up at the gym and I went fuck. And I had a PT session, so I double booked Matt. Asked if we can do it at one thirty, and he kindly obliged. And then it came, and I was late back, so I've just messed Matt around all day. So I appreciate your patience, Matt. Well, that's all right. So what we're going to do is um, Matt's done something pretty amazing recently. When was it? December. Uh, yeah. December 11th to 15th. So Matt did some lots and lots and lots of running. Um, what was the race called? Uh, the Al Marmon Ultramarathon. Al Marmon Ultramarathon, which is a 270 kilometer race. Yeah, 270k race. Across five days in the desert, the Al Marmon Nature Reserve. So more or less Al Qudra. So we, I knew you were doing this and we were up there with Dubai CrossFit Championship because I did an 8k run up there. And I got up there and I thought, oh man, this is a weird setup just for this thing. And I realized I saw the name and then the 270, I was just like, oh, this is the race you were doing. Yeah. And I think you had just taken off like 15, 20 minutes before we got there. And then it clicked. I was like, oh, we're up in the same place. And the guys that did the 8K said it was miserable and they only did 8K and you guys are on the same course. And I don't think they actually did 8K in the end. I think they did slightly less. It was five. Oh, five there. There you go. <laughs> so they're like, the, on the organ, on the day, the, when they were preparing it, they took them out and measured it and were like, cool, this is 8K. Then the organizer on the day of the race took the turnaround table guide out to a different spot. I said, yeah, this is about the same distance out, but a different location. And it was 3K less than what they were supposed to do. So, But anyway, we're here to talk about Matt's amazing achievement. And what I want to go through with Matt today is kind of how you how you prep for it, um, how you executed, what the five days felt like, your emotion and mental state through the five days and how you physically handled it and, and how your preparation went for it. Because you took on a pretty short notice, right? Uh, yeah, I sort of, um, I, I had it in my mind that I wanted to do it for about six months. Okay. But then a combination of, life i um i'm the civil engineer in my day job and i got chartered so i was doing like chartership exams into october and preparing for that and it just meant that i didn't start training in serious until the end of october mid of october so i had about two months (laughs) that's awesome um that's actually less time than i thought you had because i thought it was 10 weeks you said you were going to do it so um i was training okay so let's um take it back where did your kind of passion or I don't, I'm not sure if you do love it, but your attraction to running come from like, because I've known you've done a couple of marathons, right? Yeah, I've done a couple of marathons and then this was my first ultra. Um, and you went big. And I went big, yeah. I, I really stepped it up. A lot of people go for a 50K or a 70 or maybe even 100 straight after a marathon, but I went straight from the uh, <laughs> 42 up to uh, 270. Um, it's actually the first time I'd ever run an ultra marathon as well. So I hadn't even in training done more than a marathon distance in my life. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, so that was interesting. Um, I guess, so I, I've had quite a strange upbringing uh, in the sense that uh, when I was two, uh, I'm, my parents moved to Indonesia out into the sort of northern tip of Indonesian Banda Aceh. And the social thing there was something called the Hash House Harriers, I which expats tend to know about if you've been they've got it here they do them everywhere in the world it started in malaysia and then it became an international thing and i think it's uh 
they call themselves a drinking club with a running problem. Yeah, that's right. Um, and basically, it had always been there, and it was a social thing. And my mom and dad always did it, and so I always did it as well. So I, I'm not crazy for running on a treadmill. I can't stand it more than 15, 20 minutes. I get bored. Yeah. But I like running outside. Get I like outdoors. exploring. Uh, it gets you, you know, new city or a new country to go out, put trainers on or hike. So I've always liked being out and about. Um, but I hated running most of my life. <laughs> like cross country at school was miserable. I'd always walk it. I'd always find an excuse. I'd always be ill on the day. Yeah. And yeah, I hated it. Um, and then I don't know. I actually don't know when. I was maybe my third year after graduating uni. Okay. I used to cycle to from work. Uh, and then I met a friend who we did a lot of cycling together and she was also into triathlons. Uh, and then... Uh, and then we just carried on from there. So then she was like, oh yeah, let's, uh, I need to do a marathon for my, I need to run a marathon distance for an Ironman. Uh, so I need to get some training in. So I was like, oh, I'll accompany you. So I used to get up on Saturday morning, or go swimming, cycle to Brighton and back, that sort of thing. Nice. And then when I moved here, um, I just carried on okay. and sort of got longer and longer. And do you cycle still? Yeah, but um, I, I have... Three bikes, and I cycled once last year. So uh, not at the moment. I do love cycling. I, yeah. I find it liberating. I find Dubai a bit boring for the cycling. Just laps around Kudras. Once you've done Al Kudra yeah. like, I don't know, 30 or 40 times, it's very boring. And you've got to be super careful here. There's some horror stories about cyclists in Dubai, so you've got to take it super cautious. Well, the amount of people that, like, for the size of the community, the amount of people that get injured by being driven into or die is, like, disproportionately high. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I value my life a bit more than that, to be honest. Like, I, so, I don't see the benefit out of it right. for the risk that you do. So that leaves you running. Yeah. So that left me running. And actually, I quite like running here because from base three, you can run out and uh, you can run out around the islands. You can run out around uh, Dubai or Emirates Hills, I think it's called. Yeah. Uh, and then you can also run around the greens and the lakes and that sort of thing. So yeah. there's like three really good 10k loops up to 10k. That girl that you were speaking this morning, Joe, that's how she builds in her hills for her prep. She does out that way but goes over the bridges. Yeah, in the island. Goes in some, yeah, and a couple of hills. I'm glad everyone who is an actual runner says that these are counted as hills because I remember I run maximum 8k yeah and i do that loop and i hit it i'm like man that hill's rough and i feel stupid saying it's hill because <laughs> i feel like it's nothing but everyone i speak to is a runner like yeah that hill will get you yeah. i'm like phew it's not just me it's uh yeah it's good the i, I love running around emirates hills because yeah. that's where all the billionaires live yeah so oh, i run through there like once a week and uh yeah. the houses and the cars it's like that's true opulence i guess yeah. but, something to look at something yeah exactly different. something different so then, um, how many marathons had you done prior to this ultra run? Um, I had done four marathons. Uh, I'd done so officially three, but then I'd done no, I'd done five. I did three official and two just running in my spare time. Perfect. So I did. You uh, covered that distance. Five yeah, times. I covered that time, distance five times. So I did in two thousand and sixteen. I did my first marathon distance, and that was in Iran in Shiraz. So. Uh, my my dad, it, my dad's 30 years older than me and had always said he wanted to do a marathon. He lived in Qatar with my mum for five years and proceeded to put on a lot of weight over over the five years. 
like the sort of like the lifestyle here you know you drive everywhere yeah, you yeah. eat badly so on drinking is quite encouraged and or in in most social environments here anyway <laughs> so so you put on a lot of weight so i said so i bought in the fitbit at christmas and i said uh, in 2014-2015 and we competed against walking steps who could walk further every day and he really took to it oh nice and then so the next year i bought him a entry into the iranian marathon so and he'd always wanted to go to iran as well so he flew over we went to iran did our first marathon there amazing i loved it it was an amazing experience uh, so then we signed up in 2017 to do the Athens Marathon because awesome. we had lived in Athens and he had always done the 10K but never done the marathon. So did that one in 2017. Uh, then 2018, like two months later, I did the Dubai Marathon. Nice. But then dad's done a marathon every year since. So he's done Paris, he's doing Berlin this year. So the guy hadn't run a marathon until he was 59 and he's now five marathons five in. Five marathons in, amazing. That's yeah. so cool. So, so yeah, that's my marathon experience. Okay. Anyways. And then what six months out just made you feel like, okay, marathons is not enough anymore. I'm going to go f- five times that amount, six times that amount. And- I don't, I'm always proud that I've got quite a strong mind and willpower to do these things. And uh, I think marathons are now becoming pretty standard in terms of fitness. Yeah. Like everyone's done a marathon. Yeah. Uh, and not that I want to be... I'm not someone. No. <laughs> Aside from you, though. I'll, I'll do one. I'll do one just because you said that. But I feel like everyone started doing them and not being... Like, I wanted to be unique or special, but I thought they're not that challenging, I guess. I guess a lot of people find them very challenging, yeah. and that's not to take it away from everyone's achievement. But I felt I had more in me, so I wanted to do a further distance. I looked to do the Marathon de Sar, uh, which is in Morocco. Yeah. Uh, I know a couple of guys that have done that. And that's meant to be an amazing experience, yeah. but that's like £3,000 to enter. I did not know that. It's Yeah, it's insane. So I was like, right, well, I'm, I always had it in my mind I was going to do something like that. Yeah. Uh, but Or an Ironman. Um, but uh, I looked at the price and I'm like, there's no way I can justify spending three grand on, on a run in yeah. the desert. And then coincidentally, this thing popped up on my screen when I was looking on Hopper Sport. Uh, uh, what triathlons and stuff around I thought why not so I think in June last year I was like I'll give it a go and I started doing a little bit of training but you know like 5 10k runs Um, and I didn't want to tell anyone until I knew that I was actually going to do it because I I did a I sort of did an early purchase of it but I paid a little bit more so I could cancel and get my refund okay so I wasn't even sure I was going to do it yeah uh I spoke to my dad the other day and him and my mum said that they were they were contemplating telling me to not run it and they're trying to convince my sister who's a doctor to ring me to tell me not to do it for health reasons. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love that. So. I just want to point out as well that like, I've known Matt for a while now and I and you're a super smart guy when it comes to like knowing your like you know a lot about your training, you understand the limits of what this type of race will put on your body and you understand yeah. fueling very well it's not just i'm a random idiot who's going to decide to run yeah. like you i'd consider you more experienced exercise who knows what he's going through as well so everyone at home don't think you can just do that i'm on okay. 270k <laughs> marathon this year like you've got to have some wits about you before you throw yourself at it but so what did your training look like in the build-up then so if you said about 10 uh 
two months out, you started really ramping it up. You didn't get over up to a marathon distance in prep for it. No. What was kind of like the frequency of training per week in the build-up? So I was doing three to four sessions a week. Okay. Um, I, I have a good base level of fitness, I'd say. You know, and, and not to say that I can I can run very very quickly, but uh, I can do a ten k easily just off the bat of it uh, as and a half marathon trail running. So I'm quite a base level of fitness is quite good. Um, so for the build up, the eight, 10 weeks before uh, was three to four sessions a week. It consisted of, so on, on a Sunday or a Monday, I'd do a six, eight K. Uh, then the following day I'd do sprint training or like speed training. Okay. So um, I always forget the names of these things cause I don't, I don't necessarily talk to people, but um, I, it's, it's, I mean, it's simple stuff. It's like eight 400 meter sprints with a 130 jog yeah. or eight 800 meter sprints with a two minute break. Yeah. So usually the idea is that I was trying to run a 5K kilometer for either four 800, over a four 800 meter distance and then take half of that as rest. Yeah. That's a bit convoluted how I've said it, but yeah. We go, what you mean. Yeah. Uh, with a bit of warm up and down. Then again, rest the day after, then do another 10K, and then on a Friday, I would do a long distance, so 20K plus. Okay, so that's not that much volume in a week. It's not, no. not super, like, so I find, like, a lot of the times when people take on something like this, a lot of the damage can be done in the build-up. Yeah. And I'm seeing a lot of um, people now kind of changing the way they approach long-distance running. The volume isn't prescribed as high as it used yeah. to be when you used to see, like, you used to have to run up to like very close to the distance you're going to compete on uh, complete on race day. Whereas nowadays I'm seeing people doing a lot less volume of running, a lot more speed work being involved. Yes. Um, which I think is awesome because if you're going to imagine you have to build up to something, even if you were doing like even a marathon or any long distance run and the amount of hours and miles you would accumulate if you were doing long distance running all the time, but I'd yeah. say you'd be screwed by the time you got to the race. It, it can take its toll. I mean, my first, so when I did the Athens marathon, so the second one, I, all I did was sit, I would, I'd done, I'd been at the gym here for six months. So the maximum effort I'd ever done was an hour a day. And I did it for six, for six months. I was coming in regularly, yeah. pretty regularly. But I never did. I only ever did a CrossFit class or one of the conditioning classes. I never did really long distance running. And I got four hour 11, oh, sweet. four hour 11 marathon. And, and I completely agree. I don't think that you need to just go out and run 40K every weekend. Totally. I don't think it benefits you. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I am no expert by any means. I just run. But um, I've never seen the benefit. I've never noticed the benefit of running long, long distances on my overall training for these events especially if you said like you built in speed working session yeah. and 800 repeats which is going to obviously contribute towards your total uh, the speed your average speed across a bigger distance but also it's not going to be as taxing and you're still getting good yeah like 5ks of intervals in yeah it's still beneficial it's still some good aerobic work it's still some good exposure to the knees and ankles and you still get out there and putting some miles in so yeah it's probably gonna in the long run it won't be as brutal yeah. on the body yeah, and I think, uh, and, and going to for the ultra distances, it doesn't tend to be the cardio that lets you down. So no. again, it's like doing, there is some benefit in doing the long distances because you get used to running long distance, but I think the difference between running 20 and 30 kilometers is, an, is, is quite a lot 
but isn't that big. But then when you're going 30 to 40 or 40 to 50, the benefits are so minimal that right. you don't get it. I think if you get up to 20K every weekend, then that's prepping your body for it. But when you do longer than that, I think it's diminishing returns. Right. And then, so you never went over 20K in this, oh, what was the longest run you did uh, in the build-up? Your longest run in the build-up was a 30. Amazing. I have to say that I would probably go about training a bit different uh, now having done it once. I, I have some ideas which we'll chat about later. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I would have modified it a bit more. Okay. I th- yeah. And then let's, uh, okay, so build in the build-up last kind of week building up to the actual race, what did that week look like? Did you taper off? Did you change your nutrition at all? Um, so... Uh, I'm trying to think now. So when I, in, in the week build up, I, uh, I actually, I had a really bad mood because I had, uh, our Christmas drinks on, on the 8th of December, which was about nice. a week before what you need. I ran. So I did the really stupid thing of, uh, staying out too late and probably having a pint too many. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, I was really well behaved. <laughs> uh, I still ran the next day. I still ran the next day. I had to, but I was doing then, I was just trying to get like eight to 10 K in every day. Um, I did the weekend. So it was, so it was on the 11th and we had the bank, the four day bank holiday weekend yes. at the very beginning of December. That weekend I did three 20 K runs uh, on consecutive days okay. just to try and again, like deal with the, or oh, I've got a bit of a niggle on my leg in like my knee or my ankle. Yeah. I still have to get up and run in the morning. Uh-huh. So there was a bit of an element of that, uh, which I think now I would have done a bit more of okay. um, uh, and how to deal with it and learning a bit more about the stretching afterwards as well. But yeah, and in the week up to it, it was just making sure I ate well. I got in all my vitamins and all those things because I was concerned about getting ill. I was figured if I'm running, you know, one day I ran uh, 27 hours almost and just like the drain it will take, you run through the night. Uh, if you don't have all the like the micronutrients and everything, I'm not an expert, but I believed, you, you know, I didn't want to wake up with a cold or something or yeah. something like stupid like that um, halfway through the race. So I was very aware of eating well and just trying to keep healthy. Yeah, perfect. And then, so let's skip forward to race day and pre-race day. How are you feeling? Uh, I think I think in the day the day before I. I was overwhelmed to the point that I didn't think about it anymore. I was I was nervous mm. and I turned up and it was just yeah, I I it's like one of those things it's like where you're so nervous you end up just forgetting about it all yeah. and you just you're a bit more calm again and I was like right there's no point thinking about tomorrow. I need to drive there. I need to unpack my bag into the tents and it was just like going through like right, what do I need to do next? What do I need to do next? Pack my bag for the day Um, and things like that. And to explain the setup, we were based in in the same camp for five days. So that's where it's different from something like Marathon de Saab, where you have to carry everything for five days. This, you didn't. Originally, they were thinking it, but on the day, they changed it. On the day, they changed it. Well, yeah, the evening before. So the first day I got there, I turned up with a 25-litre backpack expecting to carry everything, and they're like, no, you don't need to do that. You just need to carry what you need for the day, oh, which wow. was quite nice. Yeah, that's a massive um, And that was a nice relief. Um, but, yeah, so we were in these, like, Bedouin tents, okay. so, like, five-person in a tent, um, sleeping on a roll mat, 
sleeping bag, that sort of setup. Uh, they didn't give you any food, so you had to bring all the food you needed for the five days and you stored it in your tent and then you decanted into your bag what you needed for the day. Um, so it's still self-supported, essentially. Yeah, so it was still self-supported, but you got to leave all your stuff there. Uh, and really the setup was uh, you, you left from that place every day mm-hmm. uh, and you did your run and you came back. There were no showers, nothing like that. But um, yeah, so that was the idea. Was So when you got there, there was lots of little things you had to do, like pack your bag, um, get your sleeping area ready, meet your tent mates for the next four days. Um, but yeah, so it was, I, I guess on the, the day before, I was just going through a process and I wasn't really thinking. And did you, how early to the prior to the race start were you on the site? So we stayed the night before the, the first race. Yeah, so I got there like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. And then the first race, they, every day they started at 7 a.m. Right. And then they had different time caps okay. on it. So I didn't really think too much about the run the day before, to be nice. honest. Okay. Um, and then how was the night's sleep that night? Uh, it was okay. I, I was nervous. Yeah. So it was like light sleep. I kept waking up. Um, but generally I was all right. I, I knew I could get through the first day. So I wasn't worried about the first day. And, and you, when you speak to a lot of people, so I was very lucky that I was in a tent. Uh, I shared a tent with one of the guys that's won marathon to solve seven times, a guy called Rashid. So he had won it seven times. Wow. One of the other guys had, uh, had won it. Um, in one of the interim years where he didn't run, um, a guy called Sammy, there was another guy in there from Abu Dhabi who was just an uh, amateur runner. So I had a good chats with him. Nice. Um, and then you had a New Zealand, like a Kiwi guy had flown over. You had a French guy had come over. And so, um, so there was a lot of chatting as well. Um, I don't really know where I'm going with this. Um, yeah, so it was, it was, it was interesting talking to all of them, but there was a lot happening. So it was quite, there was quite a good level of, uh, runners and a good experience. Mm-hmm. For How many people were competing total? Uh, so it was the first year and I think, I, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I think what they did was they flew in probably 15, uh, very high level athletes. Very different um, to do to get the, you know, get all the video footage and the publicity going. So there were only 31 people actually ended up racing okay. on the day uh, or over the five days of which 13 dropped out oh, wow. over those five days. You weren't one of them. I wasn't one of them. Did you have any expectations going into the race? Because So we'll get into this as we go through, but I'm assuming there was a set distance for each day with a time yeah. target. Did you have personal goals for each one? Did you, or did you just want to complete and- Um. The, there was a com- I my goal changed very quickly on the first day. Um, I wanted to run. I wanted to do more time running than walking. Mm-hmm. And after the first day, or most of the first day, I realised that that wasn't a realistic target. Um, it just just too hard and takes too much of a toll on your body. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So it was we had fixed. I mean, to to tell you the breakdown. The first day was 50 kilometers and you had a 12 hour cap. The second day was 70 kilometers with a 16 hour cap. The third and fourth day were the 100 kilometer day. Uh, Each day 100, 100? No, no, no. So it's 100 over two days. Yeah. And that's a 29 hour cap. And then the fifth day was uh, 50K again, 12 hour cap. That's amazing. 
So I, there was a few things that I was aware of. So I was happy with the 50K. The 70K, my, my, um, the thing I was nervous about on the 70K day was you start at 7 in the morning. Oh, that was the other thing they changed. The day before, we were due to start running 5, 5 a.m. every day. So the 12-hour cat would take you to 5 p.m. So I was pretty happy with that, running just before the sun came up because it gets really hot mm. in direct sunlight and there's no shade. Yeah. So I was happy with the idea that I'd get three or four hours before the sun really Came took up, on. Yeah. So I was like, I will try and run as much as I can and cover the most amount of distance I can before, before I get too hot because you run to your heartbeat. You don't run to times or anything like pace that. You pace off your heart rate. So yeah. you pace, so I, I pace, I run at like 130 beats a minute. That's what my heart rate target is. That's in my fat burning zone. That means I can keep going pretty long time. As soon as the sun comes up for the same speed, my heart rate goes up to about 160, mm. which is just tearing through the carbs. I mean, that I just can't sustain it. Yeah. it. I tire out, I sweat too much and so on. And you end up just burning yourself out. So you have to drop the pace right down. Yeah, so you drop the pace down to almost walking. Um, but the day before they said, oh no, we're not doing 5 a.m. because it'll still be dark. We're going to start at 7 a.m. So again, I lost two hours of night time, which was cool. So I, I had to change my strategy a bit again. Okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, so there were some things like that that were, again, that was one of the other things that was was quite difficult. And then, so day one, you completed 50K and do you know your time for the 50K? Yeah, eight hours, 15 minutes. Solid. So it's roughly six kilometers an hour, which is when it's I ran. Pace. No, it's not. It's not. And actually, I did the first... I did the first 20K in two hours, uh, and then I hit the sand dunes. So it was a combination of trail running, like dirt trail running, yeah. and sand dunes. Yeah. Uh, as soon as you hit the sand dunes, that's it. Like, you're walking. Because <laughs> they were pretty gnarly dunes, eh? Yeah. They weren't, they were like, it wasn't just sand. It was, like, pretty substantial dunes. Yeah, I mean, it's... There were little things that they threw in every day that, that really screw with your mind a bit. So... On the on the first day, I didn't have it, but on the second day, they were like, oh, by the way, between 50 and 60 kilometers, we can't get there by vehicle. So try not to collapse because you will have to walk out or you'll have to get helicoptered out. There's no way of us physically getting a car to you or a bike or anything because the sand dunes are so big. They're so close together and it's too soft. <laughs> so, so, so like little things like that yeah, really can not only can we not save you but those dunes are so drastic that a vehicle can't get there so you've got to walk them so, so that gives you the idea of the sort of sand dunes so you hit the first dune you know it's 10 meters high and you run up it and you're like yeah this is okay uh, it's taking a bit out of taking the breath out of me a bit but I'm okay heart rate goes up like 30 beats a minute you get to the second sand dune you're a little bit slower. By the third sand dune, it's not the cardio, it's just your heart rate and your legs that yeah, are feeling it. Um, and, that's, leggy. and that's why I stopped running. I was just like, I'm going to burn myself out in, yeah. in 10 minutes running. If anyone's ever done dune sprints. We've done it before and it was literally like, we did a 30 minute session, everyone was dead, yeah. let alone run at this thing for kilometers at a time. It's yeah. crazy. Okay. Um, so yeah, so after 20, 25K, I just stopped and I started walking. So. Yeah, the first 20k, two hours, the remaining 30k took me six hours. Six hours. That's how that's a mad the dreams were. Yeah. 
So then you got home that night. How were you feeling? Like, how did you, what did you do to recover from that first 50K knowing that you had a good 220K to go? We were very lucky that they had physios there every night. So you got like a complimentary 15, 20 minutes of physio. Okay, cool. Uh, and I've never had sports massages before. I, not that I wasn't a believer. I just never, I thought, oh, I'll stretch a bit and that'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, the, the benefit of that sports massage was amazing. And were these so, guys that had experience of endurance or? Uh, a little bit, uh, just very well qualified physios. Okay. Um, but yeah, they, and, and they, they do because uh, the second day, so I had, I had the same physio, it was the same physio every day. Yeah. The second day I had a, I had a massage uh, and the physio turns around and says, uh, you don't, you don't have the muscle, you're not really a, a long distance runner, are you? And I'm like, no, not really. Why? And she's like, it's your, your legs are not built up in the right way. So long distance runners have very good glutes and quads, but yeah. quite skinny. Yeah. Whereas I have really big calves from all the cycling I've done. <laughs> so she's like, it's a redundant muscle when it comes to these ultra marathons almost. It's like the calf doesn't really do much. She's like, what you need is good, lean quads and glutes. <laughs> I was like, right, so I'm not going to like, you don't have that. Awesome, I've got yes. another 130 k <laughs> to go. It was really good, yeah. Amazing. Um, so I was all right after the first day. I had a, a physio, one stupid thing I did was I, I got to the last kilometer, I could see the finish line. I was like, right, I'm going to run this. I'm going to start running again. Cross the line. I was a kilometer out, yeah. I was like, uh, and I, I like basically pulled my IT band. No. So I, I felt my knee goes across the line, like I couldn't even stand up. And I was so pissed off with myself. Because then I, I got back and I was sat there for 10 minutes, unable to walk, and I was pissed off. But I went in, the physio worked just my left uh, IT band yeah. and uh, gave me some stretches to do. Amazing. Yeah, and that was it. Um, yeah, so that was, that was all right after the first day. And that was day one? Yeah, that was day one. Amazing. Okay, so that was day one. You almost collapsed at the end of the uh, at the finish line because you decided to sprint, sprint the last last k, um, and then physio. What just physio really worked it, and then I just ate. So I had I prepared pasta. So I had I had like five or six kilos of pasta cooked okay. that I just kept in bags. So I had a kilo of pasta for every day. That I kept because I figured it would last five days it's and a lot of pasta. It is. Uh, you, it's one of those things. Like on a slight tangent, it's like when you look at nutrition and you're looking at the food and you're looking at how, what you need to eat. Um, so I was really, I was really aware of the calories per hundred grams because mm -hmm. uh, you have to carry your day's worth of food. They don't give you anything. They give you water and that's it. Yeah. You have to take. So you take salt tablets. So I was taking ten salt tablets a day. Plus, um, like, um, like dissolvable, um, effervescent. yeah, the effervescent ones that you know, uh, I always forget what they're called, but yeah, uh, and they've got like some electrolytes. That's not, uh, so you take electrolytes and then just also some food, some snacks, that sort of thing. But trying to eat pasta every night off, it was, it's good, but per hundred grams or per kilo of pasta, you get a thousand calories or something. It's a very inefficient food. Yeah, for calories because at that point you just want to be eating. I mean, the longest day I burned eight thousand calories running. Far out. Plus the two two and a half thousand that's that like you have to live, yeah. yeah, to just live. So yeah, yeah, you're on like ten thousand cal calories and trying to eat that when you're eating. So 
10,000 calories, 10 kilos of pasta. That's like a ridiculous thing. This is a I haven't really planned that out properly, <laughs> to be honest. But there's no way you could have consumed 10,000 calories then. No, no. no Not no. even in any food, though. That would have been like, no, no. it took you a whole day just well, to eat that many calories. Well, so what's interesting, and you really get into it, and I don't know the exact numbers, I, I could be corrected, uh, but things like nuts are incredible. I never appreciate, I always knew nuts were high in calories, yeah. but I never realized. Macadamia nuts yeah. are like 900, calorie, 900 calories per 100 grams. Yeah. So, what I that some of the takeaways I thought is I would have changed my nutrition a bit. So what I did was I ate a lot of flapjacks. So I was telling you uh, earlier These about incredible. So you, you do you take oats? So it's oats, butter, golden syrup, and uh, protein powder. Uh, you mix them all up. They come in like I was getting I don't know five hundred calories per hundred grams, something like that, which was good, good efficiency. Um, and, and that was what I was eating. And they sound incredible. Uh, they're really tasty. <laughs> and you need the protein as well. But so, yeah, so I got to the end of my, so to go back to it, um, I got to the end of my first day, massage, ate a load of pasta, slept. I slept like 10 hours because I didn't sleep that well the night before. I was nice. very light sleep. I just went straight to sleep. I was asleep by like 5 o'clock. Wow. Um, yeah. And I woke up at like 9 o'clock, had another like half a kilo of pasta, and then went back to sleep about 11. Because that's all you do. You yeah. sleep, you eat, of course, yeah. and you run. It's like it's like having a cat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So day one was actually all right. Um, yeah, day one was good. So the body feel waking up day two. Uh, a little bit stiff. Uh, a little bit stiff, but actually it was all right. It wasn't that bad. I was, and that was the day I was like, oh, the, what the physio did on my on my leg was amazing because yeah. I didn't have any pain from that that day. Awesome. The next day, so it was good. And then, yeah, day two was 70 kilometers. It was 16 hours. Time cap, I did it in 13. Solid. And then is it the same route you run? No, you run different routes. Okay. Uh, you start, so day one was actually started and finished in a different area, but all the other days you ran, started and finished in the in the camp. Okay. So, yeah, so for, for the 70K, I don't, if you know Alcudra, it's a stick, you've got the stick in the loop. Yeah. And we were camped at the basically where at the base the of the loop, of the loop yeah. at the start of the loop. So the seventy was basically run round the loop. Yeah. Um, so I knew the route relatively well, which helps because psychologically it meant I knew when I got to the mosque I had like twelve k left. Okay, yeah, that sort of thing. I had my targets. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, and that was all right. Uh, Thirteen hours, and that was the, that was the day I was a bit nervous because so yeah, you start at seven a.m. You had to 11 p.m. Then you had to be up the next day at 7 a.m. for 100k. Yeah. So that was the bit I was a bit because I was like, I need to finish in decent enough time to get eight hours sleep. Enough food and sleep and to recover for the next yeah. day. So 13 hours. So I finished at eight o'clock in the evening. Eight was in bed at nine. Woke up at about five and I was alright. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. So and then like so two days in, how are you like? mentally like how is your approach to this has it changed do you still are you feeling motivated like, is there any hint of you thinking i'm not going to do this like how's your mindset going through this now two days deep uh i think day day two i really struggled day two is probably psychologically the hardest day for me because it got to the end of day two and i still wasn't halfway through the run mm. and that was tough you're 120 out of 270 kilometers in yeah. Uh, and I was aware of that the whole way through that day. Um, so it was like trying to break it down into manageable bits. It's like, 
right? So I did 50 yesterday. When I got to 50, I was like, right, I've done 100. I've only got 20 left. So that's how you sort of break it down. You can't think about what's going forward. You always have to, don't think about tomorrow, just think about finishing today. And actually, when you talk to all these guys about how they deal with their distance running, they're all the same. It's amazing how, whether an amateur or pro, the approach to actually covering the distance is the same. Yeah. Run to your heart rate, think about 10K and that's it. Make sure you eat enough. And that's that's all they do. And it doesn't matter when you talk to these guys and they're, they're phenomenal athletes. Um, and that's their approach as well. They're like, if I start a day thinking I've got 100K to go, that's, I, I've lost <laughs> yeah. my motivation. Then you run for two hours and you've still got 80K to go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that was really, yeah, that was strange. But on, yeah, day two, I, I also pulled my, I, I learned a lot about it over from the physios and stuff, but you, the main muscle that, so I knew a bit about it from training because when you train for marathon distance and so on, you've got, there's two ways of running. You've got your quads so, and most people tend to be quite quad dominant. So you run using your quads. The problem with the quad is it's a big muscle, but it's just quick twitch. So it's quite, it's quite an energy demanding muscle yeah. and it can tire quite quickly because it's not, it's, it's built for sprinting, yeah. not for long distance running. Yeah. Whereas your glute is, so your butt is, um, is more for long distance running. It's a type two, I always get is a type one or type two, but it's a slow twitch muscle. Slow twitch muscle yeah. So, so when I run on roads, it's very easy because it's flat. You just hit, you rotate about your hip, not about your knee. Yeah. So you generate your power from your hips, not your knees. Uh, when you run up and down mountains or hills or whatever, that your quads get engaged. So actually all my training was predominantly through my my glutes, not my quads. Mm-hmm. So at the end of day two, I just shredded my quads. So the one muscle, that, the, or the main muscle within your quad that goes from your knee to your hip is your your rec fem. Yeah, I did it's, 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 yeah. yeah, that's one. So uh, I pulled that, okay. basically. I had this partial. They, it's hard to say without an MRI, yeah. but the physio was like, the way you're reacting to it and so on, it sounds like it's a partial tear. So my left knee had gone the day before from the IT band. Yeah. Then, so I adjusted my running style a bit, and then I had a, a rec fan problem in my left leg. Same leg? Yeah, same leg. So mm-hmm. I then had, she said it was like a partial tear, and you could see like bruising uh, on the muscle. You could see, you could actually see it was starting to go like a yellowy color. Yeah. Um, so she said, yeah, there's probably some damage there. Uh, so I really struggled that night. That was really tough. Um, and again, got taught some specific stretches to try and help it, massage, cold, cold pack, that sort of thing was the only way really. Crazy. Uh, yeah. And then all that time knowing that you've got a hundred K and you've got 150 K, 150 K to go in total. Uh, and that was it. I think, uh, one thing that really helped was I rang, I rang my dad about a hundred K. So 50 K into the second day and I was like, I don't think I can do this. And he's just like, Get to 60k and see how you feel. Get to, and it was just when you run, going back to when you run a marathon normally, there's like thousands, tens of thousands of people out there supporting you. There's someone in front of you, there's someone behind you. It's very easy motivation. Yeah. There's no like, there's no self motivation in a marathon because, or there is, but it's a lot less because there's a lot of crowds always silent. Yeah, exactly. And you can draw on their energy in this. By day two, the I think five or six people had dropped out. I was 
probably third to last. There was a guy an hour behind me, and then there was a couple of people like forty-five so minutes. Out there on your so own. you're now on your own. You're running around the loop. It's Wednesday afternoon, and yeah, it's crazy. The one's mad, I, and that is like, and again, it's something I never realised. I never appreciated about these long distances. When it's a small group, it's crazy. One thing that was really nice, Sheikh Mohammed drove past and and gave a little wave. So he was out there with his entourage doing oh, wow. something, and he drove past all the marathon runners, wet, wound his window down, and waved at us all, which was nice. I assume he did it with the other ones. I couldn't see anyone else. But. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just you. Yeah, it wasn't just me. He came out to see how Matt was doing. So then, end of day two, tour, partial tear to your quad after having a bun me from the day before. Yeah. Um, and then what to what time 13 hours so 13 hours yeah you finished at what time was that so, was, uh, so I started at 7 and finished at 8, eight. yeah I so finished at 8 so 8 in the evening do you get a decent night's sleep that night or was it that was tough and yeah. again because you hurt your leg you're sleeping on the sand you're basically sleeping on like a very thin roll mat I couldn't get comfy yeah it hurt I was tired but every time I turned over I felt my leg go they woke me up Jesus. And you're also there going, I have to sleep, I have to sleep. I've only got eight hours till I'm up again. I have to sleep, I have to sleep, which doesn't help me sleep in. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. And then you wake up day three and you've now got 29 hours to run 100 kilometers through the desert. So day three, I, uh, I, I set myself up, I think, better psychologically. Okay. I was like, don't start this running. The problem, so after day one, the other three starts are over the sand dunes that the CrossFit guys were running over. So the first 5K and the last 5K are over sand dunes. So day two when I left, I was like, oh, the sand dunes aren't too bad. So I tried to run it within two kilometers, I'd killed myself. Yeah. So on day three, I was like, I'm just going to walk it. Yeah. So I didn't even run across the start line. I started walking. You can see, like I said, we were up there for the event, and you can see literally less than 500 meters away from the start line, you're heading into sand dunes. Yeah. You could see it. And there's footage from um, the I saw on the Dubai CrossFit Championship Instagram the other day of the dunes, and these guys are like, said, I've only done five k, and these guys are on their hands, crawling up these things because of that steam. Yeah. It's crazy. So I, uh, so yeah, so day that was tough, but I walked it. Okay, I just set myself. I'm like, I'm just gonna walk it. And psychologically, when you accept that, I found it much easier to deal with the day. I had my iPod on. I I tried listening to. It. I love. Short distance running with music, I find easy. Yeah. Over an hour, I'm on podcasts. Yeah. So I did a lot. So I listen, just, you know, whatever. I, I listen to bits of the, I two podcasts I really like, uh, the Joe Rogan yeah. and also My Muscle Project. Yeah. So, so I like both of them. Favorites. And they're quite informative. They keep you, I guess, a bit disengaged from what you're actually doing. Yeah, it's a nice and, and it's almost like having company there. Yeah. Because again, you're going through stretches where you don't speak to anyone. Yeah, and that you, I'm a big proponent of if you're out training, let's say you're running a short distance like 10 kid, then I'll say like for myself, I'll say to make it a little bit harder, no music because it's easy to get distracted. So I want to like if I'm going to run AK, I'm going to yeah. run it with no distractions and force myself to like. But I could not imagine being out there for that long with nothing. Yeah. So definitely, that's one of my questions I had for you later on, is what did you listen to as you were doing it? So, podcast. It's definitely quiet out in those places as well, because you're away from everything. You're off the road. Yeah. 
you're away from people, there's no one around you. And again, on, on the 100K day, they had 15 kilometers where actually they had a doctor gave you a quick medical check before you covered. It was about 30 to 45K. That gap was again, you couldn't get to by car. Okay. So you top up with water, the doctor quickly checks you, and then you go because there's no way they can get to you. There's no way they can get to you if you get stuck. Is that just like a check your reaction? Yeah, they sort of check your eyes. They they ask blood pressure. Yeah, right? um, so they didn't do my blood pressure. He just he, he asked how I felt. Every stop, they always ask you the same. It was like um, I, I can't even remember now, but it's something like how are you feeling. But they are. It wasn't a yes. No, it was an open question because they just wanted to see how you would think and respond. Yeah, and so how long it would to, take yeah. you to respond. And I'm sure that prompted someone hesitate, so they look a bit exactly. and then uh, like prompted. Yeah, so, so they did a lot of that. Um, and then that again, yeah, there's 15K there where it's just up and down. And I actually, I was, I, uh, because it's got flags that mark out the course, uh, I had, I'd accidentally, in the dunes, you can't see them all. So I got up, I'd seen a flag. I thought that was where the flag was, the next flag. So I, walked, I, was, I was going up and down the dunes, got to that flag, then carried on a bit more. And then I looked at my watch and I'm like, I'm 33 kilometers in and I haven't seen the checkpoint yet. Uh, and then I saw two runners. So they, the elites on that day, they'd set out two hours after us yeah. to try and keep the field closer together in the difficult bit. Um, and two of the elite guys came running past. Uh, and I was like, oh, where, where, do you know where the checkpoint is? And they're like, yeah, it's like two kilometers back. No. So... And I knew I had another 12 kilometers to go to my next water point. Yeah. At that point, I'd run out of water. So oh. I was like, I either carry on for another hour and a half, hoping that I can survive without water, which was unrealistic at one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm probably not very smart. I'm not very to smart. So I then had to make the decision of going back. Yeah, went back 2K. So I had to go back 2K, no. get to the checkpoint, do my medical check, and then I carried on. I was so that for me that was probably the closest I came to dropping out. Yeah, I that was the point where I was like, "Fuck this!" Yeah, I was so angry. I was so pissed off. I was so angry. That's the last thing you want to double back to okay, and then do that again. I mean, I've never seen sand dunes like that high in in, in the UAE before. That close together, and you can it's so soft like you can't. So you have to wear sand gaiters. Um, so you have. You have trainers, and then you okay. stitch in Velcro, yeah. and then the sand gate comes down and fits the yeah. and stops you getting sand in your shoes. Uh, but funnily enough, like randomly on that, the last day, the 50K day, a lot of people could turn up and just do the 50K, and a lot of people didn't have sand gaiters. Every single one, every single one of them dropped out within the first 5K. Around past 30 people in the first 5K, uh, or past 30 people in the first 5K, because sand. The sand, once the sand gets in your shoes, it compacts it, so it makes it tighter, and then you get blisters. And then as soon as those blisters start, I So we've done training out in Kruger, close to where the race was held before, and I remember we did one, and it was like, probably like a, I think it was a 40-minute session out in the sand, whatever, a couple of sand dunes. And I was wearing nano, stupidly. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the weave, which is the material used for the, the nano, the sand had filled the shoes so much, that it split the shoe, like the front of the shoe just started to really? separate because there's pressure from the sand so much. Imagine doing that. Yeah. I can't imagine doing that because we did like, I said 40 minutes doing that for any period of yeah. time. That's how soft it is. So, sand gaiters. So, yeah, 
So, so that was that's probably the lowest over the three the five days I got to. Um, but overall, the day three was pretty good because again it goes back into like the psychology of it. So after you, I was on day three on, on, on day three the hundred k day. I was like, I'm going to get to thirty k in, which was the halfway point for me. Was that right? Yeah, uh, two seventy. Yeah, it was about it was no fifteen k in would have been the halfway point. Okay. I was like, I'm going to get to 15K, then I'm going to drop out. I was like, that's how sure I was that I was not going to finish it. I got to 15K, and there was a checkpoint there, and I'm like, I'm just going to get to the next checkpoint, then I'm going to drop out. And that was about 30K in, and that was a, that for me was another distance. So you sort of try and tick distances off. So I got halfway off to 15K, then then the 30K mark for me was 150 kilometers overall. Okay. And then I, so I got to that and I'm like, oh, let's get to 50K on a day. So that would have taken me to 170 overall. And that's how you build it up. Yeah. So it's like 15K, then my next target was 30, then it was 50. Oh, yeah. Then I got to 17. I was like, right, this is the first I've ever run in my life yeah. in a single day. Let's keep going. And that's how you get through it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the other thing about the the hundred k day was uh, you start picking up people because you run through the night with a head torch, okay. uh, and it gets very difficult to see it. I I never experienced it before, but because um, it's a bit humid at night, the sand sort of and it's a little bit windy. The sand picks up and it just sits in the air, almost like fog. Oh, weird. The flags that set out the course have a little reflective strip, and it's something they're going to change this year. Have a reflective strip that you can only see with your head torch. But it's a sort of silvery color, like foggy color. So when the sand kicks up, you can't tell where the flags are. And so many people at night got lost. Really? Yeah. And you're in the dunes at night. These so dunes are like 15, 20 meters high. How do you not get lost there? How did you didn't get lost? Um, so I had my phone on me, and we had been given coordinates for some of the map. Okay. And I also had, they give you a race book, which shows you the actual route, okay. but it doesn't necessarily give you the coordinates. Yeah. It just shows you the general route. I have a pretty good sense of direction, and with there's a compass on the iPhone, so I was sort of saying, right, I've sort of got to run like southwest west. Okay, and so that's the sort of route, hoping to pick up flags. You did, yeah. And then a bunch of people just you took overtook a bunch of people on that because they were just weren't. Yeah, they well, you end up they end up grouping together with you, so they were tired, so they're dropping back because they're struggling to see the flags. I was catching them up because yeah. I was better at spotting the flags, I had more energy, but once they were with me, they then just followed me, so they didn't use any energy trying to find the route. They were just relying They were just following me, so they then, so we finished, I caught three people up on that day. Oh, nice. Which is good, yeah. So the four of us finished. Amazing, now how long did that leg take? 29 hours. That took 29? Uh, sorry, 27 hours, it was 29 hour count. But you made it in 27. Yeah. So you were out running for 27 hours straight. That's amazing. We had a 20 minute nap at 80 kilometers. Still, that's incredible. Or you just like bed down in the sand and out on the course and just sleep. And we were we were lucky at the ACK. They had a checkpoint, okay. and we just bundled into the car there and just nice. slept in the car. Because again, it's like you're out in the desert. It was like four degrees, five degrees, something like that at night time. Because what are you wearing when it's that kind of? You had to put something on. You got layers on, or was it? I, yeah, I have. I had like a very lightweight, like down uh, jacket. Okay. So it sort of fits into like a, a pair of socks size. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had to wear that. I was all right when you're moving, but once I'd stopped, I had to put it on because uh, it was too cold. The wind picked up. It's like you're really running out of energy. 
you're shivering and it's really it's really tough. Yeah, I imagine. Two of the guys, two one of the couple there's a brother and a sister, they dropped out at 90k on that day because they just couldn't do it. Blisters. That blisters. was what killed most people in the end. Most people dropped out because of blisters. Yeah, I can imagine. What um we won't get into this, but have you seen Berkeley Marathons? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's uh yeah, things like that. Like yeah. you see the, the blisters and stuff. People lost toenails and stuff from blisters. Not not because they rubbed them off, it was literally because the blisters got so big it popped their toenails off. <laughs> okay, so you did the hundred K, twenty seven hours. How long did you have until you had to go out for the final day, which was fifty K? So we so we started day three, the hundred K starts at seven AM and you have to midday the following day to yeah. finish it. Then you have the rest of that day off and you start the following morning. At 7 a.m. the next day. At 7 a.m. the next yeah. day. So got back about 10 in the morning. Yeah. And then I had the rest of the day off and then get on the final day 50K. And then what was that, that afternoon off? Was that like? A combination of sleeping and eating. Yeah. Um, I actually ended up walking down to the Al Qudra Trek shop where they have showers. Yeah. And I had a proper shower. Because I've been, we had toilets and we had those little uh, shut-offs, the, yeah. the sprays. Was, yeah. Uh, so I've been showering using that for the previous three days. Yeah. So I was like, like fuck this, I'm gonna go and have a proper shower. shower. Have a real shower, clean up, yeah, that sort of thing. And you just walked down there? Yeah, it was like two kilometers. I was gonna say it's not well, it's, yeah. it's not much. It was two kilometers, I just walked it. You can add that to your yeah, exactly. so, so adding in the two K that you missed at checkpoint came out as four K plus four K yeah. is two hundred and seventy eight K. Okay. Yeah. And, and actually that, well actually to be the course is set in a straight line. It's as the crow flies the distance. Now, when you're running up and down sand dunes, the quickest way and the easiest way is not straight. No. So actually, the overall, even though it was a 270k race, I, I averaged about 200. I, I got to 290. I was about three to four k every day over the distance because of like yeah. Do you reckon that's for most endurance races? They'll always say it's this, but then it's actually probably a little bit more. Yeah. Like some of the Berkeley marathons, they say they they say each one's twenty miles, but they know it's twenty three. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Okay, so then coming to your final day, like you said, there was points we planned on. I'm going to quit at fifty, and I'm going to quit at thirty. Yeah. I'm just going to get to this. Like surely, when you finished the hundred k or fifty k left, you felt pretty good going into I the did. final day. I did. I knew how I was going to run it. I was very prepared for it. I actually had. I didn't feel too bad. I had lots of massages. By then, um, my right my right quad had gone at that point as well. So because I then compensated for the damage on my left leg by shifting my weight a bit more onto my right leg, I then had a partial tear on my rectum on my right leg as well. To compensate so that, for the left leg, was compensating. Yeah, so I had two bruises on my thighs. <laughs> and again, like I'm like, oh man, that's so terrible. It's definitely not surprising if you're like now what 120 k into this. Yeah, I mean, people don't. You, not, no one, no one came out. No one, even the pros, the number one guy, he had an IT band problem on day two. Because like, not to take it away from something like the marathon to start, but it's a lot firmer ground for most of it. There's yeah. more hills, ups yeah. and downs but it tends to be more compacted. This was just a lot of June running, yeah. and all the guys, lower back, quads, knee problems, all of them, everyone. Yeah, I'm just thinking back to that 30-minute session we did. My back was in pieces, my quads were lit up, everything was on fire, that was 30 Very, minutes. very tough. Doing that for hundreds of kilometers. If it's yeah. So then, like, what was your approach going to the last day? Did you have a bit more fire <coughs> in the mood, like, take off a little bit harder, or was it still just place? Uh, 
uh, jogged slowly over the over the dunes, yeah. and then when it got into the flats, there was about thirty k of flats, and then back into the dunes. Okay. I did a 5k over the dunes well, got 10k into, I was jogging at that point, I was sort of on maybe 8, 8 to 9 kilometers an hour jogging and then my right leg gave up, like absolutely gave up to the point, I was one step and it felt like someone just shoved a, a knife into my quad Damn. and I, again, I thought I was going to give up. If it was not the night, last day, I would have given up at that point. But I was like, it's the last day, I have to walk it. And so I started walking it, really struggled. And I, I, don't, I don't fully understand the, the physiology of it, but you're, when you run over like flats or anything like that, your actual like pivot angle, let's say, or your leg angle yeah. from the vertical is only maybe plus or minus 20 degrees. Okay. So you're not actually using much of a range of motion. Like when you squat, yeah. you get your, your waist down to 90 degrees compared to your knee. Whereas when you're running, you don't get anywhere near that. Yeah. So what's happening is it's like your muscles are being worked really hard, but over a very short bit of their total extension. Yeah. And I was finding that I was just getting blood was pumping up because it wasn't a full range of motion. I wasn't, it wasn't cleaning out. Yeah. So your legs just get really saturated and feel really bloated. Yeah. It sounds like a pump. It's like doing, um, like if you did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reps of a very short range of motion, it becomes very yeah. acute to the area. Like if you did bicep curls for half yeah. a range of motion, bottom half of your bicep would and, become yeah. very, very tired very quickly. And yeah. think about when you're running, how many steps you're taking. It's yeah. talking hundreds of thousands of reps yeah. now. So, and that was, I, again, something I hadn't really realized was, was just, yeah, getting more range of motion out of the legs. So it just meant like the bottom third of my quads were just like torn apart, but then the upper two thirds of my legs were fine because yeah. they weren't engaged. That's the range, that's the muscle you're using. So, so, yeah. so I, I didn't think I was going to finish. I, the pain was so much, but I also knew that I had to finish because I couldn't get, because for me, in my mind at that point, I had done like 235 kilometers and I was like, either, either I do the last 35K or I have to run 235 again to run this 35K. Because I was always, I, I had to finish. Yeah. So it was either going back and do it all again next year yeah. or just deal with it and manage it now. And then what was your time for the last 50? <laughs> 10 and a half hours. <laughs> That's crazy. So, yeah. I, the one thing that got me through it, it was interesting. The doctor there, he's he he gave me some tablets, some Panadol and stuff. It didn't help. And he said, I said, is there anything you can do? And he's like, honestly, if you were anyone else in any other situation, I would tell you to just stop and go home. Yeah. He's like, the only thing that's going to make this not painful is stopping. He's like, there's no way around it. Your legs. It's not like you need to stretch it. It's not like you need a massage. It's like your legs are tired. They're just overworked and there's nothing that I can do. He was like, I can give you painkillers, but even that might not help. Yeah. Um, but then one of the first aiders gave me what they call a cold wrap, which is like a, it's almost like a tubey grip type thing, but it's, um, and I think, I'm not 100% sure still, it's like uh, impregnated with menthol. Okay. So you, like when you chew menthol, chewing gum, you get that cool in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing with your leg. Okay. So they wrap this thing around me, taped it up. And it made my leg go numb almost. Okay. Like it was just a very cool feeling. Uh, and that got me through. I had three of like, they had to do it three times to get me through the last 30 kilometers. 
insane that's hilarious how he's like if anyone else like i would yeah. just you literally the only way you can stop this hurting now is if you stop running he was like and you still had like 30 kilometers to go yeah and that was really tough and that was a few phone calls i rang basically all my family at some point during that last 30k <laughs> <laughs> just to get me into stretching because again you're on your own and, yeah. it, and it gets to you um, so yeah, so a couple of phone calls home to get you motivated. I'll keep you going for that last 30k. Which so you've done 220 quads are shredded to bits. Yeah, the only like a doctor's told you there's nothing you can do to make it any easier. So you just had to suck it up and get on. Suck it up and get on with it. So like obviously there's a big component of physical ability to push yourself and fuel properly and rather a lot of this is just like being mentally like. Yeah. By this point, how many people like how many people dropped out on the last day? Uh, no one dropped out on the last day. Everyone that made it there was strong enough to make it. Through. Yeah, so started with thirty-one on the last day. Eighteen people. Yeah, started and eighteen finished. Okay, and eighteen finished. Yeah, wow. that's crazy. And so, coming, what like finishing that? How did that feel like finishing it? How like what was the feeling of getting home from that fifty k? I cried. Uh, I crossed the line and I, I broke bet, down in tears. Yeah, but it must be such an amazing feeling to just be like, yeah. I, not the fact that I think like, oh my God, it's over, but the achievement associated with completing that. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I realized how mentally tough it was going to be. Yeah. I really underappreciated that. And I, I, till speaking to you at this in depth now, I didn't realize like, Obviously, it's an amazing feat to be like, that's 270 kilometers, but then to actually understand the pain you had to endure and the yeah. resilience you had to execute to be able to get through that's amazing. I, yeah, it's, um, it's, it teaches you a lot about yourself. I'm sure. I still, like, when I think of it even like now, it still makes me feel a little bit. Yeah, like, for sure. Uh, yeah, you don't realize how strong you can be. I, I I've never been like a first team sports, but I'm not that sort of person, but I've always had quite a good mental strength. And I think that's got me through a lot of like sports and things like that. Uh, and I just think you learn so much about yourself doing something like that. Cause basically a combination of no one around and either listening to podcasts or you, like headphones run out of battery. So I had a little battery pack that can charge the headphones, but you have to wait for them to charge. So you have like two hours whilst they're charging of nothing. And you think about everything and anything. Mostly quitting. Yeah. It's amazing how how much I'm going to get one more kilometer, then I'm going to quit. I'm going to get one more kilometer, then I'm going to quit. And you've done that how many times at this point to get you through that, to get you... A couple um, hundred. It's funny, <laughs> so we, I did a podcast with a girl called Cara, did something um, in terms of mentally, just, it was 50 hours nonstop of workout, yeah. and she, she said something very similar. It was small goals, small goals, it's micro goals, it's like pick something, it's, even if it's something as small as just get to that next lamppost on the next run just yeah. to get through it and, just, and pick small goals. Um, so, firstly, amazing achievement, well done, yeah, 70 kilometers. What's next? Uh, I, is, are you now looking for like something bigger or are you just like interested in doing something? Would you do anything again like that? I like ultra distances. Uh-huh. Uh, I like the ultra distance and I feel like I've got more to offer to it. I can get more out of myself in terms of, because now I've got some pretty good established times as well. So I, yeah. I know how I can challenge myself. I know what sort of times I should be doing. Also having gone really like deep really quickly, 
I didn't learn a lot. I, I didn't learn a lot of things. If I'd done it as part of a group, mm-hmm. I think I could learn a lot from others. Yeah. But because I hadn't, I learned a lot about how to do things right during the race. So uh, you think you could prepare for it a little bit better yeah, next definitely. time? I mean, even stupid things. I know this is like the shoes I had are uh, predominantly for like mud and soft ground, which I thought perfect. So they're, I mean, they're, they're speed cross fours. Uh, Solomon, is that right? Yeah, Solomon. Um, and and they were designed for soft ground, so I thought, perfect. That'll be exactly what I need. Sand is soft and so on. The problem is, is they got such a, a, a stiff rubber bottom, and they've got these like chevron type mm. things for gripping them. But because some of it was trail running on dirt and quite well compacted ground, actually the day after I finished my race, I lost all like sensation in my feet. Because my feet had taken such a battering, like just my weight and being on them for yeah. so long, I lost all the nerve. Like it's in my left foot. I've only just had like uh, the nerve feeling grow back. I've had pins and needles for a month. <laughs> yeah, in my left foot. My my second to, and and again like randomly, I I didn't realize how I you feel stable ground. So. It's not my big toe that's the first thing that goes down to feel if I'm going up or down. It's actually my second toe, like my index toe on my left foot. I, I can get what you mean. Pins and needles in it and was numb for long. So the first day afterwards, I hadn't realized this, and I went to step down barefoot, and I thought I was falling forward because didn't feel I couldn't feel. With the floor yeah, yet. I hadn't felt the grip on the floor, and it took me like I, I was like stumbling almost for like half an hour till I sort of learned how to walk. That's nuts. Um, so yeah, so I don't want to in the general. So I've learned some things now, which help me go forward. Um, it's a lot of time to to just race. Yeah, like five days is a big commitment. Yeah, and it's long. And I've done it. I've ticked that box. I don't really want to do that long again unnecessarily. So like maybe something shorter. With more, yeah, like more aggressive. I think like or... a single day event. So yeah. there's one coming up. Um, oh, what they called uh, Urban Ultra. Urban Ultra. They're a brand here that do a lot of these like ultra distance running. Yeah. Uh, so there's one coming up on the 22nd of March, which is a 60k in oh, in easy. yeah Mount Santa, I think it's called, up in in the mountains. So I think I'm going to do that. Um, I was like afterward. It's it's the classic thing with everything, you know. You, uh, you go out drinking, so I'm never going to drink again, or yeah. I'm never going to run again. Yeah. And then after like a day or two, you're like, mm. and especially with this, I was like, I'm never going to run this distance again. And now I'm like, I've got more to offer. I can do more, and I'd like to do another one. So I'm going to, I think I'm going to do the 60K. Sweet. Awesome. With a bit smarter, a bit more prep, maybe. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> a bit more prep. Amazing. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that story, man. It's amazing. It was it was awesome to, like I said, we spoke about it briefly before, but to hear the details of the story and to understand how physically and mentally tough it was, because it's an amazing feat. So to get some insight into how, like, how actually demanding it was on your mind and your body was amazing. So thanks for sharing that. Anything else to add? Uh, not really. Um, I think. Uh, the one thing, having done it since, and this is just like, it is an interesting thing. I don't think people understand how far 270 kilometers I, is. I didn't. And I think it's, uh, and for me, and it was the one thing I really learned was actually, 
I think you get it. It's like if someone says they want a 10K, you go, oh, that's a decent distance. Yeah. Then you go half marathon, marathon. And people, and after a marathon, people don't understand what a distance is beyond that. Yeah. Because it's it's not something you get into the realms of that's how far you cycle or that's how far you drive or, or so on. Yeah. It's not a running thing. No. So it's like trying to explain to people afterwards. And they're like, yeah, 270K. And it's like, for example, I mean, 270K, I did... It, from here, it's here. From here to the Grand Mosque in Abu Dhabi, yeah. two and a half. So it's there, back, and then halfway there again. Yeah, that's the distance yeah. you're running. Uh, or like London to Brighton, three and a half times. Yes, Calais oh, to Paris. Insane. Like people don't understand that. Yeah, and I haven't appreciated that. No, and I think that's sort of yeah. When I when you first or when you said you were going to do it, and then I and I looked it up, and I was just like. 270 kilometers. It's yeah. a very long way. And to, to see the breakdown of the shortest distance you do in one go is 50k. So if you take into consideration like a really, really good, really good marathon times four hours, and that's only 40k. Yeah. Imagine doing longer than that is the minimum distance you do over sand dunes in any one given day. The distance alone is insane, let alone the terrain. Yeah. So amazing work. Thanks for sharing, man. Hey, welcome. And we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll have a check-in when you do your 60 and see how that went. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. That was the podcast project. That was a very long episode, but it was super interesting. We're at an hour and 10 minutes now, so thank you for your time, and uh, we'll see you next week.